are back with an episode of Lakers Explained with myself, Christian Rivas, and my co-host, Harrison Fagan. Uh, it is a beautiful day to stay indoors, which is about the only way I can put it. Uh, Harrison, how are you doing in uh, this honestly very weird time? This past weekend, I celebrated uh, a, a birthday party on Animal Crossing. Uh, so it is it is a strange time that we're living in. You know, thank you, Christmas. I am doing all right. Um, and I'm doing a lot better than your first intro into this podcast that we ended <laughs> yeah. up cutting. Um, I also have to say that A Beautiful Day to Stay Indoors is my least favorite Mr. Rogers song. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm I, I think I can speak for all of us when I say I'm doing as well as possible under the circumstances. So, like, I think that's about the best answer anyone can give right now. I'm honestly I'm doing a little bit better having watched the uh, basketball game that we just watched because, man, it, it, I mean, honestly, like it's just like I don't. I normally am not like a rewatch sporting events guy, like or a TV shows, anything. I almost never rewatch anything. Once I've watched it once, I'm like, that was good. I've downloaded that into my brain and I'm good. But I don't know if it's just not having any fresh sports, but like rewatching these old, like these like classic Kobe games or classic Lakers games has actually like been a lot more fun than I thought it would be during the like whole shutdown thing. I totally agree. And for, for those that have no idea what we're talking about, uh, on Monday, April 13th, uh, uh, NBA TV re-aired Kobe Bryant's 60-point finale uh, in honor of it being the four-year anniversary. And I, do you, where were you when that game was going on? Like, obviously, if if I have my timelines correctly, you were probably working. Um, and I, so what what was going on that day? I mean, outside of work. Yeah, so I was covering the game for this fine website itself. I was not covering the game from the building because I was not, uh, you know, important enough for that yet. <laughs> and uh, which is fine. I had a very little relevant experience. And, uh, you know, that's just where I was at in my career. So I was watching that game, writing about it from the comfort of uh, my favorite armchair that I do not have anymore because my cat ruined it. Um, but it was in my first college apartment. And I was just watching it like on, you know, the TV that I still have just sitting back by myself, like taking in the moment, enjoying it. I was like prepared for a brutal night of work that because I just knew like we were going to have to write a million things. It was just an important night. Like I knew that we were gonna, there was going to be a lot of work to do. And I honestly like I did not think that the moment was going to be as incredible and kind of euphoric as it was. Like, I think from my recollection and I think, and you know, most people who listen to this know that I'm most of the time kind of a pessimist. Like I thought it was going to be like, yeah, you know, like they were going to try and feed Kobe. He was going to try and score. And then they were either going to lose or play a whatever game against the jazz, maybe win who cares. Cause they were like, I think their sleet, their slot in the lottery was locked in at that point. Yeah. And like, I just thought it was going to be a whatever game. And then we were going to get like, kind of just, you know, lukewarm send off quotes and whatever. And then it ended up being like, honestly, probably a more storybook ending than I think Kobe himself as a storyteller ever could have written um, or like really any writer. Like if you brought it to, I believe he said this after the game, if you brought it to an executive like at a movie studio, they would say that ending is like, like it's too Hollywood. It's not realistic. Yeah. <laughs> and 
So to watch as incredible as that game was, and it still holds up today, and then like just listen to him talking afterwards and like how genuine it all was and how much he was clearly basking in the moment and how reflective he was, like it ended up being like an incredibly fun like game to cover and like it was just as much fun to rewatch it tonight, maybe even more so just because we've had so little to be excited about. Yeah, I think that whole season of Kobe interviews, post-game interviews, was just kind of strange because every season prior to that, Kobe just wanted to win a championship and didn't care about anything else. And I think there was a point in the season, probably when he decided he was going to retire, at least publicly, where he thought, let's just have fun with this. Like, Even if I didn't want a retirement tour, it's coming to me anyway. Uh, Might as well play nice with everybody and he absolutely did and i think yes he didn't want a retirement tour he the man who announced his like retirement (laughs) in a poem on the players tribune like i think like 60 or so games before he actually retired and then uh made an oscar-winning short film about that no he didn't enjoy it at all it cracks me up every time rob plink is like kobe isn't one that would have liked to trumpet his accomplishments like i say this with all due respect to kobe kobe Really, like, like it was pretty clear Kobe enjoyed trumpeting his accomplishments oh, and getting yeah. his narrative and whatever. Like, this is me- and I, I appreciated that about him and enjoyed that aspect of his personality. Like, and especially that last season where it was clear that it's like you said, like almost a switch flipped once he said, I'm retiring. Where he just went into, like, I just called it old man Kobe mode. And <laughs> he just, like, he was basically just as as the children would say kept it 100 about everything <laughs> and just gave these incredibly candid uh like post game quotes i remember like i did an oral history of his final season in his own words for a silver screen role like where i just basically i took a post game in quote from Kobe from every single game that season and to kind of sum up like and basically weave the tale of how his career ended and that was so much fun picking out those especially like after the retirement announcement just because he was so clearly like uh like he just wanted to tell his story and like he was just get, he wasn't he had no reason to BS anymore you know mm-hmm. like a lot of these guys like they have business interests and they have like they don't want to maybe like piss off other players or whatever because they're going to still be around the league or give them extra motivation or whatever Kobe just didn't care about any of that anymore and was just letting it fly and it was uh like really enjoyable to watch and cover and be around do you think there was any point of that season looking at the roster that they acquired uh like that they made in free agency that and and knowing how much he had in the tank himself that kobe bryant thought to himself like I'm going to make one last push this year. (laughs) I feel like Kobe is the type of person that like, and I bet we could probably go back to that summer and like, look it up. Like, you know, they, this team. Okay. So first of all, I like, let's get to the game really quickly. Like, because that's sensibly what we're talking about. Like here, when we, when I turned on that game and I saw Roy Hibbert on the floor, I genuinely forgot that that was the season that Roy Hibbert played for the Lakers. And it was just weird to watch him as a part of that Kobe farewell game when I literally, I guess, had erased all memory and knowledge <laughs> of that from my memory yeah. that he was out there. But like, you got, like, that's the Roy Hibbert that we remember from that season as like the guy who just could not stay on his feet, continually falling down. Billy Mack even said in the broadcast at this point, like, Roy Hibbert down on the floor, he's been there a lot this year. And it's like, oh, <laughs> Billy Mack just, he knows he doesn't have to work with Roy Hibbert and fly with him next year. He's ready to go. <laughs> like, um, and like, I think, but going into that season, Roy, it was the Roy Hibbert that had been like, uh, did he win a defensive player of the year? I don't remember if he actually won, but he had basically. He 
Yeah, he had revolutionized verticality under now Lakers head coach Frank Vogel and with those excellent Pacers defenses. And so getting him, like everybody thought that, okay, like that's a good player. Russell's going to be like pretty NBA ready and ready to contribute during his rookie season. Clarkson's going to come back like second year stronger. They have Randall, you know, like ready to make his debut. And, you know, I, I remember distinctly that there were people talking about that team like they were a playoff potential fringe contender for that, like not. I don't think that I ever made that argument, but I do remember that there were people who made it. And all this is to say that Kobe was such a competitor. Like, to go back to your original question, like, I think he, of course, he probably talked himself into, I'm going to make one last run with this roster. Like, he was Kobe. He thought he could win with anyone. Like, the fact that he thought that they could win... Like, this game almost sums up the audacity of, like, the confident and, like, the insane, not audacity, like, the in- just insane level of confidence that Kobe had in himself, that he even thought they could win this game. Like, the Jazz going into this game, if they had won it, would have had maybe a chance to make the playoffs. They needed other things to go their way that didn't end up going their way anyway. But, like, the Jazz were a good team that year, and the Lakers were horrible it's their worst record ever um and they were like and like kobe was still like they were down 20 and he's like all right i'm just gonna start shooting and lead us back and so there's not a doubt in my mind that kobe thought that there was a chance that if everything broke right he stayed healthy whatever there was a chance they could compete for a playoff spot i don't think he probably even in the offseason was like we could win a title with this team (laughs) but i am I am 100% certain that he thought they could make the playoffs. And I, I bet that there are quotes of him saying as much if we went back and looked. I, honestly, I think if Kobe were about even five years younger uh, with that, with this team or with the team that he had in, in the 2015-16 season, I have no doubt that he probably could have uh, led them to a playoff spot. Because... That would have been pre-Achilles Kobe, who was as efficient as he's ever been. So, yeah. like, I, I don't know if I'm as sure of that as you are, because the rest of that roster really was not no, good. it was horrible. But yeah. if Kobe was putting up those types of 60-point performances on a nightly basis, which with that team he would have had to, and even honestly, even if he didn't have to, with the perception of, like, D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson, the other guards on that roster, just, like, the other scores on that roster just would have been hard. Um, I want to do a quick correction here. Roy Hibbert was a runner-up in Defensive Player of the Year voting in the 2013-14 season, came second to Joakim Noah, uh, and made the all-defensive second team that same year. So he was an all-defensive player, uh, not Defensive Player of the Year, and certainly didn't look like it during his time with the Lakers. No, he did not at all. And like, but I, I it was more just to say that like he was an incredible yeah, defender for and sure. like arguably like he was the guy that really helped. He like, number one, it kind of forced LeBron to develop a three point shot. Like I know LeBron always credits the Spurs, but like he had to do that in those series against the Pacers too, because Roy Hibbert's verticality like really did impede them on some level. Like obviously yeah. they still won all of those series. This was not like Roy Hibbert was the LeBron stopper, but he was the LeBron make it more difficult on her yeah. uh and like you, you know it's, that. <laughs> yeah exactly i should trademark that and just like get <laughs> then get sued by roy hibbert um that's exactly what my financials need and like i <laughs> <laughs> and, but he was good he was considered good and people were like oh yeah like he's gonna rebound with the lakers he'll help them be respectable on defense yeah. and i think that was the year that number one like the league started to shift away like the, that kind of defense people learned how to exploit it and also like it we kind of discovered that the defenders around hibbert 
were about as important to that level of defense as Hibbert was. Like his skills were obviously great, but a big part of it was what role he was in and having like just incredible like arms and like lengthy defenders around him. Like Lance Stevenson, Paul George, George Hill, David West, like those guys were a big part of how good Roy Hibbert was defensively for those teams too. And, you know, the Lakers learned that the hard way after they made that trade. (laughs) Although still, like I think they gave out a a couple second round picks, so it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, they, they, I mean... Whoever they acquired that year, unless it was an all-star player, it was always just going to be rough. And uh, but I, I, that being said, as as horrid as that season was, not we haven't even mentioned the fact that Byron Scott was head coach. It all ended with this grand finale that I think a lot of people were expecting, but it didn't always seem like it. Like the the first half, the at the start of the first quarter, Kobe Bryant was just seemingly, like, on fire. It seemed like it was going to be one of those nights for him. He looked good, had an extra pep in his step. And then the second quarter, they just got totally outplayed. Like, the the Jazz I, took... I'm going to cut you off real quick on the first quarter thing. That that first quarter that they showed on NBA TV was not the entire first oh, quarter. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I'm, they, I'm they skipped the brutal opening stretch. But, yeah, then then Kobe started to get going and the Lakers started to get going a little bit. I had to stop you there because, like, people who did not watch the rewatch with us tonight are going to be, like, questioning uh, your, like, continued employment and, like, uh, no, your no, basketball no, no. Yeah. knowledge and whatever. Utah, Utah started off on a 6-0 run. It was very bad. And then Kobe Bryant just started going, like— bananas from the floor um and at that point i was like all right well this is what i came here for i was at a i was at a pizza place called michelangelo's in ontario a little free advertisement for you there best pizza and wings uh, christian's free out of the day (laughs) (laughs) it's it's really good support hey Support your local businesses during no, this. No, you know what? I'm okay with it this time. Like honestly, this is a this is a local business worth supporting. This is not like your <laughs> random brand shout outs for people that aren't paying us. This is this is fine. But it was it was I, I love watching games at that place. But it was so funny because after that first quarter, when the Lakers started struggling at the second quarter, there were so many people there that had not watched the Lakers game since 2010. And some guy who was pretty drunk started yelling put meta in the game like why isn't meta in the game shouldn't he be starting and i know for a fact he was not joking because he started chanting we want meta and tried to get other people in on it which which like if he was joking that would be a pretty funny thing to do like i'd do a similar thing with alex caruso now if if the lakers were losing but i'd mean it with everything in my heart but it was it was that type of crowd and like just Lakers fans that hadn't watched a game in a while. Why would they? They were so, so bad that season. And I think uh, it just goes to show that Kobe Bryant nor the Lakers had been competitive for like, God, almost three years at that point. Uh, but people still gathered to watch this guy who they had watched for, depending how old they were, like a decade or even two decades, uh, have the the you know, a, a fitting send off to a one of the most prolific scores the NBA has ever seen. And when we come back, we'll talk about the juicy part of the game because the first half, boy, was it rough. So uh, we'll we'll come back and 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 talk a bit about that. So. 
So anybody that rewatched the game with us on Monday knew uh, the the first half wasn't exactly uh, the boost of inspiration or even uh, a source of optimism for anybody watching that game. The Lakers had lost a lot of games that year, but I think losing that game would have really hurt. They had lost 65 games that year, to be exact. For the clarification. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the most losses they've ever had in their entire franchise history. Can you even... I, I don't know if I've just blocked it out from my memory, but can you even imagine losing that many games in a season at this point after everything you've experienced that you've seen with the Lakers this season? The idea of only winning 17 games in a season is absolutely nuts to me. The Lakers won 17 games this year, like basically the first two months. I remember I <laughs> tweeted it out. Like they have now like they have now tied the 2015-16 Lakers win total in their first like month and a half or something like that. That's just and the first. um yeah, I can. I mean, this this year, like, it, it's funny because we we almost paint it with rose colored glasses because that final game was so awesome, especially the second half, and it it really goes to show that like if you stick the landing, it really doesn't matter what came before, <laughs> and like that that season was horrible. And to to answer your question, yes, I can imagine the Lakers being that bad and losing that many games because I covered every single damn one of them that year and did like a po- live post game show about them for this site when we, we used so to do sorry. like all this stuff like <laughs> You know, that was not an enjoyable year to cover in large part. Like, you talked about the badness of that roster. Like, I, I just want to read it off real quick. <laughs> Brandon Bass, uh, Tark Black, Anthony Brown, Kobe, Jordan Clarkson, Roy Hibbert, Marcelo Huertas, Ryan Kelly, Larry Nance Jr., uh, Julius Randle, D'Angelo Russell, Robert Sacre, Lou Williams, Met, uh, 97-year-old Meta World Peace, and Nick Young. Um that was not like it's funny like you go back and look at it now and you're like actually there is some talent there but it it was just not talent that fit together in any way and as you mentioned the man helming the team you know like i mean all i need to say is that anthony and i shit talked him so much that season that we had to institute a fine system on our podcast afterwards uh (laughs) where if either of us said his name the other one got to tweet something from their account so um like that goes to show like just how bad that year was and like how much blame i think there was to go around and especially at the top but like uh mostly to go around and uh yeah it was not but the second half anyway of that game um was obviously the much more exciting one and i thought that it was funny that nba tv basically showed every single second of that half that kobe played yeah. whereas like the first half it almost felt it felt like the first half took 20 minutes and the second half was like an hour long um and it was just, it just really like sums up how much of that uh like really where the emphasis was in that game and like i also just think like there were a lot of things that kind of jumped out at me because i haven't rewatched that game since and like i don't know i was just wondering like from you like what did you forget about that game and like what stood out to you most rewatching it now i think the thing i forgot was the fact that anybody else shot the ball (laughs) <laughs> like in the in the third quarter to start the the second half, the Lakers were down 15 points, and then they went on a run led by Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. to get them within five. Two members of the vaunted young core, none of whom are here anymore. <laughs> yeah, I oh god, I got a text from a friend during uh during our rewatch saying, uh, "God, can you believe we thought these were the guys?" And like to be honest. 
if if you made a a roster of everyone the Lakers drafted from like 2014 to 2018, maybe not 18, because 18 was the Mo and Bonga year, or was that? 2000? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Mo kind of scores now, so yeah, that's he's cool. actually not bad. But my point is, if you made a if you made that roster now at their at that stage of their careers, it would probably be like a sixth seventh seed in the eastern conference so i'll stand by that take i don't care um but if you look at that roster there are only five active nba players from that roster and it's not like part of it has to do with old age like obviously roy hibbert and brandon bass aren't going to (laughs) be playing anymore but uh some of them are just straight up bad and that's why they're not playing anymore yeah um, and like, I mean, you know, like Robert soccer is doing a podcast about Gonzaga now. Like, is he you know, actually? yeah, he actually is. Oh my God. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I saw a video of him the other day on Twitter, uh, riding a horse through the streets of, uh, Washington and, you know, like, I'm just like dying laughing at what people must have thought at the seven foot guy riding a horse around town, ta- around like their deserted, like lockdown town. Um, and like what a sight that must have been for anyone driving by. But yeah, I mean, this roster was not good. Like, I mean, we all thought Anthony Brown kind of show was, or at least I did. Like I thought Anthony I thought Brown so was going to be good and yeah. he had some flashes defensively, but I believe he's out of the league or in the G league or something like yeah, he, he has not panned out at all. Like, uh, Marcelo Huertas, like he was, I think like a 30 year old rookie. So I don't know how many of us expected him to still be around now, but it, you know, he's gone. Ryan Kelly's out of the league. Like it was, had his career ruined by Byron playing him small forward. And uh, I which maintain, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, that he would have actually turned into something. Um, I do. Absolutely. Yeah. I, that was the main thing that stuck out to me was like, I just forgot how like a lot of the guys on this team, first of all, and like how bad that team was for a lot of the season. But I also like completely forgot um, like how far they were behind for, and that almost the entire game was a comeback. Like you mentioned the Clarkson Nance part, like Kobe was shooting a ton to try and get them back into it. And like things really did not look good there. And I, I tweeted at, with like two thirty left. I think they were down like eight or something like that. And I'm like, I still do not understand how the Lakers won this game. <laughs> and like, if I was watching at home, like there's no way I thought that they were going to complete that comeback. And like, it's just, it's crazy like Kobe basically turned it into a storybook ending. Yeah, with with 3:20 to go on the game clock. The Lakers were down by 10 points. Yeah. And so Kobe Bryant makes a jumper. The Jazz answer right back. And from that jumper he made for the rest of the game, he just doesn't miss a shot. And these were not open shots. These were heavily contested shots, shots he had to create for himself after playing God knows how many minutes. I don't know why I said God knows how many minutes. I have it pulled up right here. <laughs> Lord <laughs> knows. If only there was some way to know. <laughs> he uh, he played 42 minutes that game. Yeah. Like, I, if I, I take care of, if I, I take care of my body for the rest of my life, I will maybe be able to play 12 minutes of NBA basketball uh, at the age of 37. If, Chris, if I'm I gonna take care of... <laughs> Chris, I'm going to be honest with you. There's no chance in hell. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying if they if they threw me in a game as a favor, not 
I'd have to go through the process of making a roster. No, like getting... you, physically, you would not collapse from running back and forth up and down the court for 12 minutes is what you're saying. Yeah. If, yeah. If I took care of, like, pristine care of my body for the rest of my life up until the point I'm I'm 37. No, I, it, oh, man. It was so funny to watch how tired he clearly was. Like, oh, yeah. he could barely jump at the end. Like, he airballed a three at one point in the third quarter. Like, that was a desperate, like, shot. He had to beat the shot clock because, like. It was to end the first half. Oh, was it in the first yeah. half? Yeah, like, but the Lakers offense, you know, shockingly had went nowhere in the half court, <laughs> like as the people who watched the previous 81 games never would have guessed, um, you know, no need to change that up for the final one. And so like, yeah, he like he was so tired. Stu Lance was killing me on this rewatch. Like it felt like every other comment he made was about how tired Kobe looked yeah. at that point in the game. Like he's like, he's like, look at him. He can barely even get his feet up. And it's like, come on, Stu, he's old. Like cut. Yeah. Um, and like I, I just thought it was like he was so clearly winded. There were so many moments where when he was running back, like and they showed the slow-mo replay, he's like just staring off into space, like trying to keep from collapsing. Yeah. And like I, I don't know, like shout out to number one for Kobe for being insane enough to continue playing through like how tired he must have actually been after putting his body through that entire season and all the comebacks from injuries in the previous three years and all of that stuff. And also like credit to the Lakers training staff for keeping him upright somehow for all, all like all of those 37 minutes or however many you said it was. Yeah, uh, I was I, too, was cracking up at Stu Lance comments or just the commentary in general because they were talking about um gordon hayward having ties to brad stevens uh and and what that meant for him and i was like well that's <laughs> that story doesn't exactly have a happy ending for jazz fans uh and then they were talking about the warriors game that was going on on espn and Stu lance goes well they better finish it off because you don't get a trophy for regular season wins and i was like they did not. <laughs> Stu Lance, as many know, the creator of Rings culture. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not wrong. Uh, and I, I think Billy Mack responded to that saying, yeah, if, he, if they don't do that, they're just going to end up a trivia question. And it's like, yeah, they did. It would have been it would have been really funny. Like, it, it's almost one of those moments where you're rewatching something and you like it kind of starts to feel like a movie where they're doing this obli really oblivious, like foreshadow, like yeah. obvious, blatant foreshadowing. And yeah. Sue's going to go like, man, yeah, if they lose, they're going to have to get like Kevin Durant or something. Wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> That would be, yeah, that would have been really funny. That would have just put it over the top. Um, yeah, somebody should but, edit that in. Just get Stu, like, like, just do, like, a Lucas cut of Star Wars and, like, the, the re-release of the special editions and just, like, CGI that Stu voice back <laughs> in. That probably wouldn't take too much effort, and it would be really funny when people go back to watch the game. And Stu's, I, I don't know what he's doing right now. He's, uh, he's, uh, kind of just vacationing right now. But uh, to your point about how much it took Kobe... When I was watching that game and they were down 10 points, I said to myself, it is going to take everything Kobe Bryant has. Like, if there was another game, even three days later, I think that would be it. Kobe would just shut down for the rest of the season because it had to take literally every ounce of basketball he had left in him to come back 10 with three minutes left in the game. And yeah, no, did. forget forget load management. If they had another game three days later, it would have just been like DNP parentheses, tired as hell. Yeah. Like, oh my. Hey, because 
he was like even before he went on that insane run you could tell that he was just gassed like i've i <laughs> i played youth soccer at one point in my life and there were times uh cuz i was um <coughs> one of the better players on the team that i'd play <laughs> the whole 90 minutes and i know what it feels like to just be absolutely gassed and feel like you don't have anything Did you left. Just compare yourself to Kobe because you played 90 minutes in rec league soccer games. Absolutely, yeah. Wow. Don't take this away from me. No, um, that's the that's true Mamba mentality. <laughs> no, it was it was one of these things where it was almost like like Kobe's a storyteller. So part of me is cynical enough to believe that he was playing up the fatigue just to make the movie montage uh, look cooler, like you know when they made the documentary eventually. Yeah. But um. Like, it was, like, not only was he tired, like, it physically looked like the scene in superhero movies where they've just gotten, they've just, like, the the villains beaten the hell out of them. They're just on their last legs and they have to summon everything for, like, one last punch. Like, yeah. that that last three minutes was Kobe calling in Mjolnir as Cap and just, like, <laughs> running at Thanos and knowing that that was all he had left. Like, yeah. he literally, like, looked like he was going to collapse on the floor after the game was over. As he was giving his good, like, his fair well speech following the game yeah. he was pacing around like somebody trying not to pass out like <laughs> it was just it was incre- it was an incredible just like summation the whole game i think summed up so much of who kobe is like outside of like the circumstances obviously because if if, if it really was a hollywood movie that would have been a game seven of the finals that yeah. he was laying it all out for or something like that but outside of that like it just summed up like the willpower like the just never giving up and the just like supreme belief in himself to continue to fight during that even that meaningless game like he was such a competitor he's like it doesn't matter to the jazz it really doesn't matter to the lakers but like i am kobe bryant and i'm not going to lose my final nba game and he didn't spoiler alert that is how yeah, the for game those ended. Of you that made it this far and didn't know the outcome yet not really sure who that is but yeah they they ended up winning and the i remember there were so many things that brought me back one was that huddle with him Jordan Clarkson, uh, Julius Randle, and D'Angelo Russell. Just kind of him passing to the torch and then that torch being blown out by the front office. <laughs> yeah, Rob Palinka taking that torch and throwing it in a lake. <laughs> That's basically what happened. You no, know, that photo of him uh, hugging the young core, I will never forget how many people's avatars that was. And like, I believe that that was Anthony's lock screen on his phone for a Sounds while. Right. Was uh was those four hugging uh, together, or like those five hugging, and it was like Kobe passing the torch to the young core, and you know, like I remember even in his uh in his final interview after the game, I was watching it because they showed it after the re-air, and he was talking about he's like, you know, just because I'm not playing anymore doesn't mean that I'm not going to be helping these guys like Julius, Jordan, you know. D'Angelo, like, I'm going to be texting them and talking to them about, like, you know, what position to get the where they best are suited getting the ball and what to do with it and whatever. And, like, I have no doubt that Kobe still talked to those guys via text when they reached out to him because they've all said as much and whatever. It was just like, like, knowing the outcome that those guys were not all going to be Lakers (laughs) for too much longer, it was like almost this unintentionally funny moment, but also like summed up who he became at the end of his career. He was no longer the guy that was just going to scream at teammates and whatever. Like, there was a little bit of like an understanding that the end is here and that it's time to move along. And in the way that he kind of tried to pass the torch and did seemingly genuinely try to help those guys. And by all accounts did from everything that they've said since then, even before he passed. Boy, who 
who outlasted? Who was the last one standing? Was it Randall? No, no, it was uh, it was Zoo. Oh no, wait, Zoo wasn't on that team yet. He was the next draft class. Yeah. Uh, yes, I think it was Randall from that core. Hold on, because the year Clarkson and Nance got traded to Cleveland was Randall already in New Orleans? No, Randall. No, no, no. Because that trade freed up the cap space to sign a oh, second. Oh, right, 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 right. And, uh, and so Julius was still on the team, and they didn't re-sign him that summer that LeBron came. Yeah. So yeah, Julius was the last one. That's crazy. Who would have thought? Not me. Um. Yeah, I mean, I thought I I thought D'Angelo was going to be a star for like the Lakers. So you know, definitely not <laughs> me at the time of watching this game. Yeah, I like how you preface it for the Lakers because he did somehow make an all-star game last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, he, he made it into the all-star game. I don't know if I can, like, can, it's this weird thing where, like, semantics or whatever. I don't know if I consider him, like, a star yeah. yet. But, yeah. like, he's not a star in the sense of, like, you build around that guy. But he is a very good, he has turned himself into a very good player. That was not meant as D'Angelo shade. Yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> so funny. I tweeted from the Silver Screen and Roll, Silver Screen and Roll account. Um, look, at, look how far all of these players have come. D'Angelo Russell made an all-star game. Jordan Clarkson's a valuable contributor on a playoff team. Shelvin Mack. That's hey, it. he led the Magic in assists with like <laughs> one, 3.4 or something one year. And they made a graphic out of it. And that was a great day of yeah. off-season content. I think it was in August when like all of us had nothing to do but roast the Magic on social media for that graphic. Um, that I very give anything. Desk graphic. I would give anything for that graphic right now. Yeah. No, I mean, I would watch a Shelvin. I would watch like Shelvin Mack play like a pickup basketball game at this point. <laughs> like that's like that's how much I'm ready for basketball to be back. But to get back to this game and, uh, you know, away from the return of the Mac, uh, I <laughs> like <laughs> I, I thought it was going back to the fatigue thing like Kobe also like. The final moment, uh, first of all, I did not remember that Jordan Clarkson scored the final basket of that game on an fast break dunk yeah. because I don't think Kobe could have ran down the court another time. So that actually worked out pretty well for the Lakers. You know, JC took that burden on. But then when Kobe subbed out, they sent Ryan Kelly in for him, which first of all was just like such a weird like moment to have that be the guy that subbed in and dapped Kobe up on his way out of his last NBA game. But Co there was this moment of confusion where Kobe was like ready to guard the inbounds pass and did not want to come out. Like he thought Ryan Kelly was coming in for someone else. And it's like, even up, like what were they up like eight or something like that at that point? Um, like, he did not want to come out and he was ready to guard. I think it was Gordon Hayward's inbound pass, like rather than go and sit out the last couple of seconds and get a standing ovation. Like he wanted to make sure that he secured that win. And, you know, like that was Kobe, you, you know, for better or worse. And like, that was the guy that like the Lakers had for 20 years. And, you know, that it's just like, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm just glad that we got to rewatch that game and I'm glad that we always have it in the time capsule. And uh, it was just like a lot of fun, especially right now. Yeah, I, I honestly, after that game, I was just like, I could not imagine that game ending any other way. Like, it yeah. had to end that way. For Yeah, I, I also thought that, like, outside of the game, some of the stuff that he said afterwards was interesting and just, like, uh, 
kind of a window into Kobe and how he wanted himself to be portrayed and also what he valued. And like, first, like one of the things that I caught from like, his, and this is his final address to the crowd. This wasn't even to reporters where he just said, like, he continued to repeat, like, we did it the right way. I stayed through the down years, didn't leave when it got tough. And it was like hard to not feel like that was a little bit of like subtle shade at, or not really even that subtle, but shade at like NBA stars and, you know, future shade at Kevin Durant, who had not moved teams yet because when things got tough, but like, it was just, it was very much, it was a very Kobe critique of the current player empowerment era or superstar empowerment era to be more accurate, where superstars want to play together and they make all these moves to make sure that it happens. And like, not that Kobe never had great teammates because he obviously did, he gets dinged for it. But like Kobe, other than the time that he demanded a trade and to be fair to him, the Lakers seemed pretty listless then uh, like he pretty much just stayed and like went about it. And in the end, he ultimately did stay other than continuing with his trade demand. Like they won him back over and he stayed. And even though it was tough and like, I, I think that it was very, that was something that he wanted to be remembered in his legacy. As far as like, like when people looked at the down years and whatever, it's like, Oh, well, Kobe didn't leave. He could have left, but he didn't leave because he was loyal like that. And I think that that's kind of who he is as a person, but also very much like a ploy, a play to like, this is how he wanted to be. He wanted people to remember him. And I also like on a completely different note, um, it was just really like almost heartbreaking when uh, the final people that he thanked in that speech were his wife and daughters, like his daughters for always understanding that he had games and his wife for holding down the family end of it. And it was just like, just now it's like, it's, it's, it's tough to rewatch. Like I'm getting a little choked up, honestly talking about it, but it's just like, yeah, it, it's tragic, like what happened. And, yeah, yeah, it, it is tough because I I felt the same way, and I I honestly hadn't brought it up uh, until now. But the one thing that did stand out to me uh, watching that game is just how excited of of everyone of his family members that was watching on the sidelines, how excited Gianna was seeing her dad play like the best basketball. Honestly, she had probably ever seen him play. Yeah, she was, or at least that she could probably remember, because she was still really young then. Yeah. And, um, like, she was, there was one shot where they cut to her, and it was after one of his shots, and she literally did, like, the most adorable, like, gasp, like, yeah. hands covering her face, like, could not believe what he had just done. And it was, like, it was so, like, endearing and heartbreaking at the same time, like, yeah. knowing what we know now. But she was so clearly, like, obsessed with basketball and yeah. wanted to be just like her dad. And it was just so easy to watch it, like, in those moments. And, like, like how bad – and just how badly everyone wanted it for him yeah. on that final night. Like, there was his family, obviously, to an incredible degree. The Staples Center crowd was incredible. Um, and then, like, his teammates were just, like, living and yeah. dying with every <laughs> single basket like i thought d'angelo russell was going to literally explode at multiple yeah. points because he was so excited and like it's it looking back like this was right in the wake uh of uh nick young snapchat gate whatever we're calling it and like you know i think for him like at that point he probably just wanted to feel like he was part of the team again and whatever in some ways but it was also like telling of like how I think maybe a little bit about how their relationship was and just how badly all of the young guys and all of the, everybody on the team just wanted it for Kobe. And like the one thing that I mention every single time I remember this game and 
um, that stood out again while watching tonight is like Julius Randall committed like not just illegal screens that night, like borderline assault that yeah. like could have had a charge filed <laughs> over it on some of those. Like like there are linebackers watching tape of the screens that Randall set that night because he knew the moment. Like and that's a credit to him. He's like I am going to help Kobe go out on top if like you know if one of these guys dies trying and. <laughs> You know, that was just uh, like it, it was just awesome how much all of them and everybody involved just wanted to win. And even Byron, like to have a sense of the moment of like, let's sub him out with four point eight left just to make sure that he gets one last standing ovation, yeah. like as he leaves the game and all that. Like, I just thought like the Lakers and everyone involved did an incredible job. Yeah. To your point about the players on the team, man, like I think Julius Randle is a year or two older than me. So he, like a lot of players on that really young team, just grew up idolizing Kobe Bryant. There are photos of a young Randall in like a Kobe jersey that right. he posted his first night getting drafted. He was a big Kobe guy. And to have that moment with him, just like getting the front row seat to the Kobe Bryant show, one that they hadn't really had all season just because of how bad they were and how old and hampered by injuries he had been um, you know, up to that point in his career to get to watch Kobe do something like that, I think is a moment they'll never forget, especially considering the circumstances now. I mean, Jordan Clarkson earlier today posted a picture on Instagram um, in remembrance of, you know, the four year anniversary of this game, because, um, you know, I, I think for Lakers fans, it was an important game because it was Kobe Bryant's last game. But when you look back at this isolated game, forget, you know, the other 81 games that were played that season. If you look at I this game. I often try to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you look at this game, it was the greatest finale from an NBA player that we've ever seen. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like Larry Nance Jr. has played in finals games, and I believe he still said it's like the most important game he's ever been a part of. And so I, I'm and I'm sorry if I misquoted him, but I believe I remember him saying that. And like the whole thing, you, you mentioned Randall looking up to him and having a front row seat. We talked about Gianna sitting right there. And like the whole thing was also just a reminder of how many people Kobe resonated with and how many people like like Julius Randall probably dreamed about that moment. It was probably again, like he probably dreamed that it was in a finals game. He was setting screens to help Kobe win finals MVP and get a ring and whatever. But like he probably dreamed about helping, like getting to help send Kobe off like that and play with his idol and whatever. And Gianna, we know had like big basketball dreams from watching him. And like, it was hard. One of the things that I kept thinking about while watching him address the media after the game again was like, he was also like taking questions in Spanish and Italian and just like, they were like no translation needed. He spoke the languages and just answering them fluently back, not feeling the need to translate back. And I think, that also is a reminder of why he resonated with so many people globally yeah. because it didn't matter what country you were from or, you know, I mean, obviously he didn't speak every language in the world or what language you spoke, but like he connected on people's levels and like in their own like space and in a way that they understood like very freely in a way that I don't even know if there's ever been another NBA star who does that. And it's just like, it's another reminder of why he was so, not just because he played for the Lakers, which are such a worldwide brand and because of his story and all of that stuff. But, you know, he talked all the time that season about being a storyteller and he, he communicated that story really well to everyone. And like, um, 
it was just like this game was just another reminder of why so many people hold him in such high esteem and like look up to him and use his journey as kind of motivation for their own like hard work and habits and things like that. Like, I mean, I know like me looking up to Kobe, like you know, I, I've talked about this before, but, you know, watching the way that he approached things was like kind of the way that I tried to approach blogging. It was like, I really enjoy this and I'm going to try and be as good as I possibly can be at it. And I'm going to do it every single day as much as I can until I get there. And like, I don't know if without like watching someone like Kobe growing up, I would have had that. And I'm sure a lot of people felt the same way. And watching him dig deep in this game again was like just another reminder of that. Do you have any parting thoughts before we sign off here? Yeah, um, like wh- where would you, you mentioned greatest finale any NBA players ever had, and I think I probably agree with you. Otherwise, like I think Jordan would have been in contention had he not come back with the Wizards, uh, but like his series winning shot and maybe, you know, against the Jazz was yeah. would have been pretty incredible. Um but, like, I think uh, – I, I was wondering, like, where you think it ranks up there with, like, just TV finales in general. Like, honestly, <laughs> like, I, I think – like, it's hard to think of – like, if you consider that – those 20 years, like, Kobe Bryant, the series, almost. Like, the story it is, like – yeah, they like they bring back all the old characters. Like you have all those old teammates in the background making their cameos as he's speaking. Like you have all the figures from his career in the building watching, cheering, going crazy as it's all going on. Like it almost it honestly reminded me a little bit of uh the office finale. Yeah. Where, like, where the season before that preceded it, like was not all that great. But then they brought it home for one of the most incredible finales of any TV show I've ever watched that just completely stuck the landing in just about every way uh, and was so much better than everything that came before it in that season. Like, I, I thought that that was a, that's a little bit what it reminded me of is just like, you know, and it's like the storybook, like happy ending, or at least it seems like it. And then, you know, like, obviously it, it ended up not being the storybook happy ending in the end. But um, like, as far as his NBA career went, this was the perfect send off and finale. I think that like anyone could have really written up. And that is as good of a comparison I could have made halfway through you saying that. I had thought about it. I obviously wasn't going to interrupt you, but um, that is where my mind was headed to. When, especially when you talked about the second to last season not being great, I thought that you you were right on the nose with that. Um, but God, thinking of definitely not Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, it's not. No, it's not. A, it's not Game of Thrones. Um, I haven't seen the series finale of Veep yet, but I've been assured it's very good. Um, I'm trying to think of like other shows that even compare as far as like sticking the landing and honestly, like none are coming to mind. It's a really hard thing to do. Breaking bad, I guess, um, like kind of is up there. Although breaking bad, the entire final season was good and like must watch TV. Although I know, I think you've weirdly, I have not seen it yet. You are so so sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm struggling to think of any others that like I've watched that did as well as far as like, uh, you know wrapping it up like i'm i'm an avid comic book nerd like i just i remember watching the series finale of arrow this year and just being like really like we had to use the whole season to try and backdoor pilot something else like and whatever and like the series the series finale was all right i don't know if you watch those shows but like it wasn't 
like it, it didn't hit home in all the ways that I necessarily would have wanted it to just because like everything before it wasn't that great. And, you know, it's just, again, it's just amazing that Kobe and the Lakers and all of them were able to make it happen for him in like this way. And for him to just to go get 60, like that, that's just crazy to go and do that in his final game. And with how many injuries he had overcome and how many dings he had had that season, like, it's just it's wild and like i'm i'm glad i'm even more glad four years later that we have that night to look back on i could not agree more uh and with that i think that's a good spot to to end our podcast unless you have you're learning i don't final have final thoughts <laughs> you're learning i don't have anything this time all right well uh with that we will sign off for the week and uh hope we'll have a Good show next week, too, because, boy, who knows what we're going to talk about a week from now. Yeah, I mean, let's just, again, let's all do, like, an NBA, like, a basketball dance that, like, they get some testing figured out and they can figure out a way to bring this thing back safely and, you know, <laughs> responsibly. All right. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next week.